You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Glad to have you tuning in, whether this is your first time checking out Locked On Seahawks or you're a regular listener. Glad to have you joining us here on this wonderful Wednesday. Jam-packed episode coming your way. We're going to tackle your mailbag questions, and we're going to be finishing off our 90-player countdown with numbers one and two. I think most people that have listened to the show regularly probably know who the two players we are going to be talking about are today. Make sure to check out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. He provides you with the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Winning your league starts with the right data, so make sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Football all year round so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Some unexpected news this morning. Richard Sherman, the free agent cornerback, still unsigned a couple weeks before training camp was booked at the King County Correctional Facility today at 6.08 a.m. He was denied bail, though there has been some updates that have come out on that, that he has not been with the judge yet, and so that is custom procedure to deny the bail until that point. But he is still in custody for burglary domestic violence, and we don't know a lot of details about this, and I'm a football reporter. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a judge, so I'm not going to sit here and speculate on legal stuff. That's not my forte, but uh, very few details have come out right now, but obviously not a good situation for the veteran as he tries to latch on with a team in 2021. Yeah, Corbin, it is uh, surprising news. It's disturbing news, and and it could be the end of Richard Sherman's NFL career if it uh, if it winds up being accurate news that uh, that Richard Sherman was arrested. As you said, the official charge was burglary with domestic violence, and 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 that it's kind of a misleading uh, name that the state of Washington uses. And like you, of course, I'm I'm not a a legal expert, a police officer, a judge, or attorney, that kind of thing. But you know, one thing that is interesting, at least uh, in the words of Aaron Schefter um, uh, from ESPN, of course, is that with burglary in the state of Washington literally means entering a premise with intent to commit a crime. Um, the domestic violence ep- uh, issue means that it, of course, is someone that is very close to Richard Sherman, a, fr- a family member of some type. Um, but uh, but that's about all that we know. That the, in the One of the words that was used is that uh, when, when Sherman was initially uh, you know, arrested, um, that that came at about two in the morning and the word used was fought with police. And so it's going to be interesting to see exactly what, what that winds up uh, becoming. Um, but Sherman was in jail this morning. As you said, he has been denied bail. That is customary. Um, and, and any type of domestic violence charge in the state of Washington, then the accused must face the judge before, uh, or at least that is the custom, face the judge before um, bail opportunity is set. 
I, I think that it's as we've talked about so many times, unfortunately, Corbin, with uh, you know any type of criminal charges against some of these elite athletes that we're talking about in a, a football podcast, then it is important to just start off with the the basic that um, any, any person is innocent until proven guilty. And in Richard Sherman, we are talking about a, a remarkable human being, um, at least from what we have seen in the past. Obviously, Seahawks fans know everything about the, what a fantastic player that he is. Uh, we, we can talk about that a lot. And, and perhaps even a, a player that the Seahawks fans want to come back because he does play a position of concern for this club. But I think it's also important to remember this is a guy, a young man who who graduated as, um, you know, just a um, the salutorian from his high school, 4.2 GPA because of all the high level classes that he took graduated from Stanford with a career, uh, a degree in, in communications was nominated as the NFL man of the Walter Payton, Walter Payton, excuse me, man of the year, uh, you know, and is a, currently the vice president of the NFL PA executive committee. Uh, and this is a remarkable man. And, and so I am, uh, I am just, uh, you know, surprised by this news. Um, but at the same time, I think that it, there, we're just the very beginning of, of this story. It's going to be fascinating to see how it winds up uh, turning out. And again, we just don't have very many details on what has happened, what transpired that that led to Sherman being arrested. Very little has been revealed to this point. And I'm not going to speculate. Again, this is not something that you speculate. It's not like we're talking trade rumors or something. This is domestic violence that we're talking about here. And so until those details come to light, it's going to be difficult for the two of us to be able to, we're not going to be jumping to conclusions. And all I would just say, though, is if this ends up being a serious situation, obviously it is a serious situation, but if details come out and clearly Richard Sherman is in trouble with the law and potentially faces serving some time, uh, this could be something that at minimum is going to lead to discipline from the NFL. He could be suspended. Uh, we could be looking at him not playing in 2021. And with him being 33 years old, coming off a year, he only played in five games due to injury, as you mentioned. That could mean that this is the end of the line for Richard Sherman in the NFL. And again, I don't want to jump to those type of conclusions. I don't I don't want that to be the end result for what has been a Hall of Fame caliber career. Uh, but all of those things are on the table, given what we know and, and the, the information that has been disclosed. And so hopefully this is a situation that ends up not being overly serious and things are taken care of and whatever issues Sherman's dealing with are taken care of and, and he can play football again. But at this time, we just, we don't know. We don't know enough details to really be able to know what's going to happen next. We will continue to update here on locked on Seahawks as more information becomes available on Sherman's legal issues. When we come back in the second quarter, we're going to tackle your questions in our weekly mailbag segment. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. It's time for our weekly mailbag segment. We got a lot of baseball-related questions, and obviously, Rob, you and I both are big baseball fans, so we're more than happy to answer a few of those and plenty sure. of Seahawks topics as well. Let's get started here. First question coming from Dwight writes, non-football question, You've got to start a franchise in baseball, and you can pick between Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani. Who are you taking and why? And I I will say this right now. This this question stems from a friendly uh, disagreement that Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian and I were having this morning. And so I, I guess Dwight really wanted to know where I stood in that. But let's have you answer this first. You are put in charge of a Major League Baseball team. You're starting from scratch. You can have prime Babe Ruth, or you can have current prime Shohei Otani. Well, the, the talent evaluator in me, Corbin, is going to just look at the body types of, of Shohei Otani <laughs> compared to Babe Ruth. And, uh, you know, I mean, Babe Ruth is one of my absolute, uh, you know, favorite athletes uh, of all time. I literally have a, a frame poster of him in my office that I'm speaking from right now. Um, he is the reason that number three um, has always been my my favorite number. Um, I remember back when, obviously, Russell Wilson wears that number for the Seahawks now, but that way predated him. Um, Joe Montana and Rick Meyer as well, um, wearing number three at Notre Dame. Um, and, and so my heart has to go with Babe Ruth, but again, that, that's a full acknowledgement that we're talking about completely different eras, different levels of athletes. Um, and so I, I think that uh, Otani, like Babe Ruth, uh, has a chance to to really turn not only the sporting world, but uh, all the popular culture world a little bit on its ear to, to really see what a remarkable talent that he is. This is a really tough question just because not only the different eras. I mean, Babe Ruth was starring in the 1920s and 1930s. Totally different competition that he was facing. And and I have no doubts, Babe Ruth, if he was around today, that he could hit major league pitching. It would be a major step up for him facing all these 100-mile-an-hour heaters that he was not seeing back in the 1920s and 30s. But I think Babe Ruth would be able to – handle himself just fine. Uh, The other thing that makes this really difficult, though, is we don't know what Otani's career is going to end up looking like, say, five, ten years from now. We know what Babe Ruth's career as a whole looks like, and so that makes it kind of tough on this. But uh, I'm actually going to say, you know, you mentioned it from a body-type standpoint. I I would pick Otani for this reason alone. I think he is already a better pitcher than Babe Ruth ever was, and Ruth was not a pitcher in the major leagues very long. He was effective at it, but he transitioned to be a full-time hitter pretty early in his career, and obviously one of the greatest hitters ever. But Otani's on pace right now for almost 60 home runs this year. So he has prodigious power, can throw upper 90s, started the All-Star game as the pitcher and was the leadoff hitter and participated in the home run derby. I mean, he is a unicorn in every sense of the word. And so, oh, by the way, he has four triples because he can run too. Babe Ruth could never run. So Shohei Otani would be my selection on this one, even though we don't have a full scope of what his career is going to look like. Just He truly is, uh, he is a one of a kind. We, we hear that all the time being said, and really it shouldn't be thrown around that much, but this guy truly is. I wouldn't even say a generational talent. I mean, we're talking a millennial talent at the baseball position and in the sport in general. Second question here from Brady writes, 
We all expect Dwayne Eskridge will be receiver number three, but if someone else is going to snatch that role, do you think it is Freddie Swain or is there a sleeper to watch? We know that draft status does not impact where you fall on the depth chart, so Eskridge is going to have to earn that number three spot. If he doesn't, there are some other intriguing receivers on this roster. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different pass catchers on this roster that that could emerge in in that role. Besides Dwayne Eskridge, I think that most likely would probably be Freddie Swain. Uh, I think that we've talked a lot about Gerald Everett, um, and I think that he could also play that role. And if somehow, some way, Josh Gordon is reinstated and brought back to the Seahawks, then he is the one guy out there uh, that I also would mention as, as a possible wild card scenario as well. I'm going to throw a real wild card into the mix here, and we've talked about him a few times. I'm telling you, Rob, Penny Hart, the way that he looked during their offseason workout and stuff, I'm not predicting he's the number three guy. I think Dwayne Eskridge is your number three receiver. I'm very high on him coming into his rookie season. But Penny Hart is a guy that you need to be monitoring closely because the connection that he clearly has with Russell Wilson and the coaching staff loves this kid. So – Penny Hart is a guy that I would that I would look at as a deep sleeper here potentially that only had one reception all of last year, but he did dress for 13 games. He can play on special teams. He might be a guy to watch for that really breaks out in training camp in the preseason. If that happens, then hell, he could fight his way up to being the number three or number four receiver. And Absolutely. I agree with you on Swain. If Gordon signed, comes back, obviously we know the big time talent that he is. He could potentially do that as well. So there are options, and that's what's going to make training camp a lot of fun. Max tweets, what do you expect the Seahawks to do if Alden Smith is charged with second-degree assault? Do they bring someone else in? And this is a really important question from a current event standpoint because he is being arraigned in New Orleans today. So we will have an idea after today what's going to be happening with him moving forward. Yeah, I think obviously if the the Seahawks have a big decision, um, you know, with, with Alden Smith, um, and it's very possible that legally speaking, they won't have any decision to make because Alden Smith may not be available to them. Um, if he is available to them, and if uh, the, the Seahawks feel that that he is making those strides, that um, you know, the, I, I've had some indications that they do feel that he is making some strides. We, we've heard that uh, you know, Pete Carroll. Um, kind of said that uh, that he was, you know, had been in the, the facility. And so I think that things are working kind of their way out and then the possibly uh, Alden Smith is going to be able to remain uh, for the CX long term. If, if he is not, however, I, we've talked about this before, Corbin, there are a bunch of aging pass rushers who are available, Justin Houston being one, uh, you know, that, that we had talked about previously. So I think that there are some candidates out there that Seattle might be looking for if, if Alden Smith was not retained yeah Justin Houston is the guy that I would have on speed dial immediately and we've talked about this on an episode I think last week that I just can't believe that he has not been signed yet because this is a player that still had 11 sacks two years ago he had eight last season still very effective at getting after the quarterback and I think he can play either end spot in a 4-3 system like Seattle's I think he's a guy that you can get out there and even as a reserve He's going to give you significant juice off the edge if Alden Smith is not available. And again, we don't know yet. He's being arraigned today. The Seahawks have been optimistic. He's going to be available for training camp, but optimism is Pete Carroll's middle name. So uh, (laughs) we have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, if, if he's charged with 
second degree assault, then I would anticipate that this is going to be a quick release by the Seahawks and then likely facing discipline from the NFL. And at this stage of his career, after being out for four years before 2020, I would anticipate that his NFL career is probably done. So there's a lot hindering on the decision that comes out of New Orleans today for Alden Smith and the Seahawks. Next question here coming from Parker tweets, both of you have attended training camps as a fan in the past. What is your favorite memory from those practices? So I was a reporter that just wasn't credentialed the first couple of times that I went. And so I was with the fans, obviously, on the berm, but I was doing a job. I was working. And Cason Williams, everybody remembers the training camp and the preseason that he had several years back where he was scoring impressive touchdowns downfield, high pointing the football. He was doing that on the practice field too. And there was one practice where he scored at least three touchdowns when they were doing team scrimmages. I mean, he was unstoppable. He looked like Megatron out there, like Calvin Johnson's wearing a Seahawks uniform. And so that was part of the reason there was so much hype. And why fans were so upset when the Seahawks ended up cutting him. And uh, I think he only played in a couple of NFL games with the Cleveland Browns after that, and he since has washed out of the league. So ended up not being a big deal. But at the time, everybody thought he was Superman, and he had a phenomenal training camp. That one practice, I just couldn't stop watching him because he just kept making incredible plays. He became a superstar for one day, and he had a couple of big preseason games as well. So much hype around the former Washington player. And ultimately, it did not play any games in the regular season for the Seahawks. Yeah, Casey Williams is a fun player to talk about, Corbin. I, I, I remember going to practices myself and, and watching him just uh, just really be able to show off his leaping ability, his body control, and, and make some highlight reel catches that would just get all the oohs and ahs from the crowd. Yeah. Um, you know, since the Seahawks have moved over to the VMAC, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be considered part of the media, so I don't necessarily sit there on the berm, um, but definitely have walked by enough times and, and had uh, many, uh, you know, just fun, lighthearted conversations with uh, with a lot of the fans back there. Going back years and years, I can tell you that one time, one of the last games that I attended just strictly as a fan um, was uh, years and years ago when, when Seattle was uh, playing for the right to go to their very first Super Bowl, playing the Carolina Panthers, and Steve Smith returned a punt for a touchdown. And I had had a few adult beverages, and I was so upset because I was so convinced that uh, the Carolina Panthers might stage this this huge comeback that I made a mistake and I threw off the hat that I was wearing down and it went down onto the field and the security guard uh, down there saw me do, do this and pointed me out. And I thought I was about to be escorted outside of the stadium at that point and, uh, and be locked up myself. So I'm, I'm happy to say that that wound up being a very positive memory. Um, but, uh, but it certainly was a concerning memory there for a little while. <laughs> that, I don't have any stories that match that one. I've never thrown anything <laughs> on the field. but uh, <laughs> It didn't get all the, all the way onto the football field, the, the actual playing field, but it definitely got on to, uh, by the opposing bench close enough that – you know, anytime the fan throws something like that, that's obviously there. We have it. We now know that Rob Rang is a decorated litterer at uh, <laughs> what was then. What was then and I got, I got to have that. a couple got, names got... ago before becoming Century Lincoln Lumen. So, next question here coming from Wyatt tweets: If Rashad Penny isn't healthy or struggles in camp, do you see any chance the team just decides to cut losses at this point? What do you think, Rob? 
Well, I think that unfortunately is a possibility. I mean, there's all kinds of different issues uh, that, that, you know, are, are out there when you're talking about a player coming off of the injury like Penny is. But the point being that, that Seattle distancing itself from their, their former first round pick. And I think that there is as much pressure on Rashad Penny as there is an Annie Seahawk this year, Corbin. So um, I, we, we've talked a lot about all of the young talent this team has at the running back position. I do believe that Rashad Penny is a potentially special back. He's still a very young player um but i think that that is at the bears watching i think if you've listened to pete carroll and john schneider talk over the years again they are not going to let draft position dictate their decisions especially when you're looking at a player that only has one year left in his contract so yeah the pressure is on if rashad penny is outperformed by dj dallas travis homer undrafted rookie josh johnson alex collins and he's on the outside looking in, the Seahawks aren't going to lose much by cutting him. So I don't think that's how this is going to play out. I still believe that Rashad Penny has enough talent to be a difference maker for the Seahawks out of the backfield, but he's coming off another procedure on his knee. He's got to show that he can stay healthy. That's the biggest concern here when we're looking at number 20. Can he stay on the field? If he's able to do that and play well during training camp in the preseason, there should be little doubt that he's going to be the number two running back the sidekick for Chris Carson. But I would say that this is not impossible if everything goes wrong for him, that the team could decide, you know what, we're going to go with a couple of our younger guys that have multiple years left under contract, and we're just going to cut bait because this clearly didn't work out. I don't think it's impossible. I I think that it's a far-fetched scenario, though. Last question here real quick from Patrick C. Assuming Jamal Adams gets extended, what is the one move the Seahawks could make to put them in? in the top tier of Super Bowl contenders. So kind of that mid-July, what's one more move that really puts us over the top? Really tough to see in mid-July that any move is going to do that this time of year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Corbin. We, we've talked a little bit about making a move, uh, making some type of big splashy trade. I, as we talked about a little bit yesterday when we broke down the cornerbacks, um, you know, four of Seattle's five cornerbacks that made their initial 53-man roster a year ago are no longer in Seattle. And, and so I, I think that that is the position you have to look at. If a Stephon Gilmore is somehow available, then that might be the type of move that would make the most sense, I think, for the Seahawks. But again, like you, I think it's very unlikely likely to see how it's going to be able to pull off some type of move of that magnitude. Yeah, at this point, a couple of weeks back, I was thinking, you know, John Schneider, they're in win-now mode. Trading another early draft pick might not be a big deal for the Seahawks. They might be willing to do it. But next year's draft is going to be much different than this past year's because we're seeing things returning to normal. There's going to be more normal scouting. So I think those are going to be – those picks are going to be gold. And so I don't see John Schneider making any big moves there. As far as the free agents go, I mentioned Justin Houston yesterday or earlier in the show. Justin Houston's a player that I absolutely think can still be a difference maker rushing off the edge. Right now they don't need him if Alden Smith's available, but everything is hindering on, as we mentioned a few moments ago, Alden Smith's status. If he's not able to play, then I'm absolutely going out and I'm getting Justin Houston. Maybe you could mention KJ Wright, but again, Daryl Taylor, they're excited about him playing that same linebacker spot. So it just seems like they've kind of moved on from that. And that KJ Wright's 
is probably going to have to play somewhere else in 2021. I just don't know that there's any other big moves unless they're going to trade for Stefan Gilmore or Xavion Howard, which again is going to be extremely expensive draft pick wise and contract wise. I don't know that the Seahawks could make either one of those moves. I don't know that there are any other moves they can make right now that are going to really put them over the top as a Super Bowl contender this time of year. When we come back in the third quarter, we have finally reached the end of our 90-player countdown numbers one and two. Again, pretty sure most of our listeners probably know which two players we are going to be talking about today, but we're going to wrap up our countdown when we return. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Are you looking for a way to boost your workout game? Are you seeking a delicious protein bar without the sugar and carbs? Enter in the Built Bar, 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Some of the best ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, peanut butter, double chocolate. You're going to have a tough time eating just one. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Soft, easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joined, as always, by Rob Rang, the serial litterer. <laughs> I can't get over that story, Rob. <laughs> Chucking your hat onto the field in uh, the NFC Championship game way back in 2005, which thankfully, Walter Jones and company, they got the job done and they advanced to the Super Bowl. So you ended up having a good memory from that. But it's time for us to cap off our 90-player countdown. We're all the way down to the top two. And we've got two future Hall of Famers, not giving it away for our Seahawks fans here. (laughs) Number two, Bobby Wagner, the superstar linebacker, making his sixth straight first team All-Pro last year. Now, you and I have had this discussion a few times this offseason. You did not feel like this was one of Bobby Wagner's best seasons in 2020. I I would agree with you. I I have not been near as critical of him. I still thought he was fantastic. But... (laughs) Bobby Wagner, his best seasons have been like some of the all-time best seasons. I don't think you could have put last year's performance quite in that category, but I thought he played better last year than he did in 2019 and was still one of the focal points of this football team, one of their superstars. 
You know, I absolutely agree with you, Corbin. I mean, he is a superstar. Uh, you know, Bobby Wagner, I mean, number he's number two on our list, obviously number 54 for the Seahawks and 54, you know, that, that jersey number coming from the five plus four, that is the nine that he wore at, at Utah State. And that's where I started evaluating him. And I was convinced that when, when Seattle made him their second round selection, um, that he was going to be a star. Um, watched him at the Senior Bowl, kind of followed his story uh, while at Utah State, he got sick and was unable to work out at the combine that year. And I think that that had a lot to do with why he, um, you know, basically fell into the second round because guys who are six foot, 240 pounds running the four fours as he did at his pro day later on, they should go in the first round, especially when they are as, uh, as dominant as Wagner was. I mentioned evaluating him at the senior bowl, watching him uh, play Alabama uh, while he was at Utah State. A lot of times, the, you, know, you don't play um, th those top level teams, but uh, they did. And, and Wagner was a star against the Crimson Tide as well. So uh, his production, his durability, um, you know, throughout his career with the Seahawks has just been staggering. I mean, he has now nine NFL seasons and has only missed a, a total of nine career games um, during that time. He is the, the active uh, tackler, uh, active career leading tackler in, in all of the NFL at this point. Uh, Thomas Davis, the, the longtime linebacker for Carolina Panthers, um, he actually has three more tackles than uh, than Bobby Wagner at, at this point, and, um, and and for the most in uh, you know again of active, but but he's retiring, um, and, and so he has a total of one thousand two hundred and thirteen tackles. If he matches last year's tackle total 138 then that would put him um in, in the top 15 all time um in, in tackles excuse me top 20 all time in, in tackles and just a few behind eugene robinson who of course seahawk fans remember so we are talking about a future hall of famer um where he's getting paid as such and i think that he needs to uh kind of revert back to his playmaking days of you know year 2015 2016 2017 they were not always some of the most statistically dominant seasons, but it felt like he made a few more impact plays, a few more physical plays. Um, so yeah, I, maybe it's just we're getting spoiled because when you watch greatness all the time, then then it's easy to uh, you know to to criticize at times. But Bobby Wagner is truly one of the uh, the elite players who have ever put on a Seahawks uniform. The beacon of consistency, more than 100 tackles every season that he's been in the league since being drafted in the second round out of Utah State. And you mentioned the splash plays. That would be the one thing that I do agree with you. I need to see a few more of those from number 54, given the money that he's being paid, the number one highest paid linebacker in the sport. We haven't seen the interceptions. But what we did see last year, and I think this is when Bobby Wagner is at his best, we saw the Seahawks sending him more as a blitzer. Take advantage of the speed and the instincts that he plays the game with. And when he gets into the backfield, he's going to get the quarterback. He's going to wrap him up and he's going to finish the job. He had one miss on Kyler Murray a couple years ago, but that happens frequently because Kyler Murray is like 105 pounds and he just slips out of tackles. But it's just a little jitterbug. But Bobby Wagner is a very effective blitzer the Seahawks used him in that capacity partially out of necessity early in the year last year but he was able to go out and get a, a several sacks was able to pressure quarterbacks he had a much better year in coverage than 2019 so that's going to be the big key is he going to be able to continue doing that now that he's 31 going to be seeing 
further regression in terms of his athletic tools? Is he going to be able to compensate for that and continue to be productive both as a run defender and in coverage? So that's going to be the big question going into this year. He believes he has several more good seasons. The good thing for him is generally for my research, middle linebackers age more gracefully than a lot of other positions do. So that should be on his side going into his 10th NFL season. Now, number one, I want to talk about being spoiled. Russell Wilson, all he did last year was throw a franchise record 40 touchdown passes. But as we've talked about time and time again, it was just such a bizarre season because the first two months he was on a record pace to break Peyton Manning's single season record. And then second half, suddenly he became very pedestrian. He was he was just your typical mid middle of the road quarterback. If you take out his four touchdown game against the Jets, that 40 to three drubbing of the Jets, you take that game out of the equation. He only threw eight touchdowns in the other seven games in the second half. So he was just a mid-level QB, just looked like a guy for much of the second half. First half, he was the MVP front runner. So the key for him going to this year, can you find a way to turn the page from that dreadful final two months there, the longest stretch of slumping in his career by far, with Shane Waldron being your coordinator now, can you turn the page and can you go out and rediscover how you were playing early last season? And I'm not expecting him to be on quite the same pace because that was just ridiculous, but be closer to that than what we saw in the second half when he just didn't look right. He he didn't look right, Corbin, statistically, and I, I would agree with you. But at the same time, with, with Seattle going six and one, or excuse me, five and one in those final six games, uh, I I think that that's you know part of the the philosophical differences that that Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer were having. And I think that the Pete Carroll would rather that Russell Wilson not throw for the forty plus touchdowns as long as it comes it, it, it results in Seahawks victories. And um, so I, that to me is going to be one of the fascinating things here. I, I think that we have seen. Um, you know, over his remarkable career, what Russell Wilson's talents are, um, his his uh, improvisational ability, his superb accuracy on the deep ball, um, his just uh, belief that, that he is going to be able to will the team to victory, uh, his durability, his never missed an NFL start uh, is absolutely remarkable. Um, you know, but at the same time, he he does have his his limitations. Uh, we, we saw the, the fact that um, that, that there were times in the last year where um, he would kind of blindly throw the ball into coverage, the kind of type of mistakes that we just didn't we we didn't see him make early in his career. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what type of uh, what type of developments, what type of adaptations he's going to be able to make to Shane Waldron's offense. I think it's exciting because I would argue that that Seattle has as as talented of weapons around Wilson, as well as an offensive line as talented um, as perhaps he's ever seen in Seattle. So um, Seahawks fans, I think, get excited because you're right, Corbin, the, the Seahawks and their fans have been spoiled by Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And yet I think that there is all the reason in the world to think that both of them could put as good or better numbers as they've ever have demonstrated in 2021. There's no excuse when you're looking at Russell Wilson going into this season. You can't complain that the team has not gone out and made moves to bolster the supporting cast around you. You've got one of the best pass-protecting guards in the NFL in Gabe Jackson. So you checked off that box. 
You were able to bring in Dwayne Eskridge, another speedy, explosive receiver that can run routes from the slot. You can run jet sweeps with him. He can return punts and kicks. You've got Gerald Everett that adds a new dimension to the tight end position. There's really no excuse here. You've got the weapons around you. You've got a new coordinator. you got to put everything together here. Put what happened at the end of last year behind you. Be more decisive with the football. Be willing to take what's in the middle of the field. That is, to me, that is still the thing that was the biggest, the most troubling thing from last year, those struggles in the second half, is how many times there were plays in the middle of the field and Russell Wilson just simply did not take them. He either hung onto the football or he was not able to fire accurate passes. That has been a weak point for him. He has got to be better in that regard. I think Shane Waldron's going to help him achieve that goal. If he does that with the supporting cast he has around him, he's got a chance to topple the numbers that he put up last year. And maybe this will be the year he finally gets an MVP vote. Everybody in Seattle's hoping for that. And they're hoping the team has success as well so that we don't have another offseason like the one that we had over the last couple of months with all the drama. Everybody wants Russell Wilson to be happy and want to stay in Seattle. You'd love to see him finish his career here. A big stepping stone to that would be having a monster season in 2021 and maybe leading the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. So we'll see how this plays out. Make sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. He updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Follow Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next Monday, returning to five episodes a week and continuing our training camp previews. We'll be looking at the running back position on Monday. Enjoy your long weekend. Go Hawks.